0: What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to another debrief, EP twenty-seven, the last episode of the contract here in San Diego. Bittersweet, but we're ready for new, new change and new experience. I'm already, dude. I'm glad I'm not gonna have to
1: sit down at eleven o'clock and be told that I'm going to be going to a different unit. I can just sleep, normal schedule.
0: The, the uncertainty of not knowing what to do, man. Yeah. And it was so much harder this contract because not only we don't know where we're gonna float at. The start of the shift at 11 o'clock, you're always kind of wondering, it's 10 o'clock. Should I rush? I want to go do a bed bath, but maybe I, I'm not going to because I'm going to get floated or sometimes leaving dressings. Like I want to change all these dressings and and be done with it for yet the end of the shift. But now you have to pace yourself to figure out, I'll change one dressing and I'll leave the other two, three for the other nurse because I only can do so much in my four-hour mm-hmm. shift. You
1: know what's really heartbreaking? Getting floated to Metro Telly, seeing that... The page has a bunch of meds till 11 o'clock. And then you see a, a giant blink from midnight till four o'clock in the morning. Because you're like, this is going to be a chill assignment if I, could, if I could stay here. This was because, supposed to be a reward. Yeah, right? And then you get hit with the, hey, you're going to float to step down, DOU, you're going to float there. And you're right, because then it's like, usually when I come on a shift, I rush to get everything I have to get done before midnight. Because let the patient rest, rest for that amount. Usually it's like maybe some antibiotics throughout the night. You got to check on something in the, in the ICU, but you let them rest. Here, it's like, you're not rushing as much. You're, well, first of all, you are really rushing because you have to make sure you finish all the stuff you got to do by 11 o'clock. But you're not rushing as much because you're like, okay, well, if I don't do the bed, bath, if I don't change the dressing, I'm getting floated. I'm not going to have to deal with it. I'm going to float. I'm going to leave. I'll just pass the meds. And But this kind of sucks because like in the beginning of the shift, it's where I spent most of my time actually you're talking to patients. And when you know you're getting floated, or if you are floated, you're mostly gonna float again at 11, you're in a rush. You're just in a rush to pass these meds, especially like med surge, state ratios, you have five patients, four or five patients. Only thing you have to, only, only amount of time you have allocated for is just passing meds, doing blood pressures, and that's it. Because then you gotta chart. And charting alone is like at least 40 minutes.
0: Another aspect that makes it difficult is the hospital that we worked at. We do more full patient care. So mm-hmm. there's goofy things happening with the CNAs where there was arguments with the union. They took them away where they're not even stationed at a uh at a unit. They just float around the hospital. And now they had something where they only prioritize like a couple patients throughout the shift and you can't really call them for the other patients, yeah. right? So we're doing full patient care usually with these med surge patients and in general in this hospital. Not only that, now you're overworked with trying to get out get out on time and patient care ultimately suffers at the end of Mm -hmm. the day because the turning and the little things oral care whatever you want to do personal hygiene gets thrown out the window because you have to prioritize charting getting meds done because you got to float somewhere else Mm -hmm. and being a pawn as a traveler kind of sucks in this because you know what's best for the patient you establish an awesome report and then you're leaving in four hours Mm -hmm. they felt safe with you that's all gone Another nurse asks the same questions at midnight and it's very frustrating for the patient. Yeah, this, this contract's main theme, I think, is basically
1: adapting and overcoming. Adapting in the sense that we normally work ICU all our careers. All our prior, yeah. our, all our prior contract was ICUs and we had to adapt to working DOU, working oncology sometimes, med surge, tele, ortho. We had to adapt. And then not only do we have to adapt is we have to overcome this frustration of being thrown somewhere else again at 11, 11 o'clock. And even with uh, out-to-the-hospital stuff, our schedule. You know, we had to adapt our schedule because we didn't get the days we wanted. Oh, it was so too. Yeah. It's almost like the days we did ask for, we were purposely put on because you asked for those those days off. That that was a, a big theme that was really Discouraging. Big, discouraging, a really big hindrance. And, it, and usually... The contracts, we try to do like two or three in a row, two for the most part, and we look forward to renewing. This is this, in this contract. I was like, "Damn, I could renew to the easy way out, or I'd rather do a little bit of upfront work and maybe try to work at a different hospital because of this schedule is being so so terrible." And usually, we're we're okay with with renewing our contract for another thirteen weeks because the scheduler has worked with us. We've always had a schedule that was basically the same. Yeah, maybe once in a while they would put us a day separate or whatever. But anyways, we would probably get a switch because it was it was one day every couple of weeks versus three days a week. So that was never a big a big deal until this contract. And it's and just the way the schedule was, that itself, the floating I could deal with, it's fine. It's whatever. I'm already at the hospital. Use me whichever way you want. Just don't, just don't try and screw me over. But the schedule was the biggest thorn in, in the butt because nothing we could do about it. Nothing at all. Uh, we'd, we would try to call, even when we had a fumigate our place, and we called two or three weeks at a time and say, hey, we got our place fumigated, can we please have these days off? Nope. We called a few times, left a few voicemails, not even a callback, nothing, complete silence. And then we're just like, we, we literally gave up. It's just been such a, such a nuisance. And it's not just us, it's a struggle with all the travelers that are working in this facility, and it's just an ongoing theme. And this is what they're going to keep on doing, because remember, we're there temporarily. Once. Matt and I leave, or once the travel leaves that's complaining, that complaint doesn't really get filled anymore. Or if it doesn't get filled, it's filled at somebody else that still has this threshold of tolerance that is able to deal with for us contract and nothing ever gets done because we don't have a travel nursing union that stands up for us.
0: And this theme, we could even apply it to nursing in general where there's outcries and requests from people nothing ever gets done and the system kind of takes over and mm-hmm. the business, the unit is run the same way. Just here where we had a group chat People are complaining. We were supposed to write a bunch of emails to the scheduler because he wasn't being fair. He wasn't treating other fair travelers fair. Three months later, we're still in this group chat where, because it's under the, the contract. New travelers are coming in. Same problem. And it's just discouraging because nothing is getting done. Nothing will be. Just like you said, we're just travelers, temporary workers. But also, it flows over to the other aspects of healthcare. If you're trying to change it or improving your unit, you hear these outcries and nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it has to happen like on the clock, and you know, only people that can really drive changes is, is staff nurses. If you think about it, travel nurses—it's really hard for travel nurses to drive change because who's uh, who's going to take your side? At least if you're a staff nurse and the whole unit is, is unhappy, the hospital has to has to work with you to solve that problem. As a travel nurse, no one has to work with you,
0: right? And that's that's funny that you mentioned that because when I listened to the tone of all the staff nurses when it comes to their schedule. They felt discouraged too. Like, oh, my schedule is going to get messed up. And that's like a theme that's been happening there because they have the same scheduler that we had that doesn't care for us and he doesn't care for them. And it's just a complaint, but there's no resol- resolution to mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely interesting how unit dynamics vary from hospital to hospital. Each each unit has its own struggles. If it's with management, if it's with staffing, if it's with scheduling, if it's with protocol physicians, Every unit has their own thing they have to kind of deal with, and it's some problems are universal. Like, of course, staffing is universal, but some people deal better with with physicians and with um, and with um, like management. Like Texas wasn't too bad. Texas, our main issue with Texas was the urgency of of the way they did um, interventions. Yeah, That's patient care. And yeah, but then you you had an NP there at all times, right? Here you don't have an NP, and you and you do have also that lack of urgency sometimes. But the acuity is a lot less here than it was in Texas, I feel like. Oh, yeah. You know? So that so it's like it's different. You go in different hospitals, you have this interesting nurse dynamic, then you have this unit dynamic that you take into consideration, then you have this man, management dynamics, then you have this dynamics with nurse-physician dynamics. Just so much dynamics go into play and it's actually pretty cool because being a staff nurse, the only dynamics you see is the dynamics that you work in. But being a traveler, you can finally pick around of what dynamics are, are good in this unit versus what was good in the last hospital. And it's actually interesting to see how everything everything plays into patient care and just, right. just being a nurse. And you don't really see that until you move around from place to place because you only know what you see and what you work with. And then when you see a lot of stuff, work with a lot of different people in different, different settings, in different states, different cities, you really see the different varieties of dynamic that there actually is and how you could change one to improve that in one way and then that trickles down to something else. It's really cool how this whole healthcare nursing dynamic works. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And how and really how hard it is to drive change if you want to change anything. Because every unit we hear about nurses want to change this, but every unit we also hear nothing ever gets done. So it's just like crazy to, to think about that. And you look back at your home unit, you're like, there was never any change in our home unit. And then there's never any change on all these other units as well. So it's like what's going on? There's always this talk about change, how about change, but I haven't seen any kind of change being driven these last 3 years. Maybe we're there for too short that we can't see this follow through in change or what's actually happening? Is there actually any kind of change going on or or what's right. actually going on or just a lot of talk?
0: And we always talk about change starts from within, so what's happening with the very core staff mm-hmm. when it comes to the healthcare worker? What is a healthcare professional Doing to facilitate this change, and if they're busy and overworked, and they have no creative juices to drive change or drive to go talk to somebody or units or the UBG meetings, all that, then there's the big first problem,
1: right? And there's a lot of value that comes with travel nurses. Because imagine no one has ever asked us, "Hey, how does our unit or our hospital compare to other places you've worked at?" No one has has ever asked us this. So imagine how how a big of an insight if you're a manager or if you're a nurse charger or whatever if you could kind of get this kind of started imagine how beneficial it would be for you and you for your unit or for the manager to ask the travelers hey what do you think our strong points are of this unit what did you like about our unit what did you dislike about our unit what do you think we can improve because if you're asking that to a travel nurse we have a wide variety of experience working for other units not just the staff nurses, you can ask the staff nurses the same questions, but you're not going to get as of a differentiating opinion as you are going to from travel nurses, yeah. because like going to that same point that if you've been a staff nurse only in this hospital for the last six years, this is all you know. You don't know how things are done somewhere else. You're only limited to the the uh, like the, you could say, echo chamber of what's around you the problems you only know the solutions that you have the ideas to versus like the solution that you've seen yeah I've we heard- definitely have a, a greater insight of what works what doesn't work what's beneficial what's not beneficial than, than the staff nurse yeah
0: we are very valuable especially if we can add those opinions and help drive change and help the units that we work on see different perspectives and i'll share something i shared the last day working in the icu so fascinating shift I ended up in three different units in 12 hours i started on a med search floor Had a few patients, typical med pass, whatever it is. Ended my shift at 11, got things done, nothing to write home about there. Mm -hmm. Went down to DOU step-down unit, had two patients, was open for admission. And I ended up at, let's just say, 3 3 a.m., I admitted a rapid response patient. His fever was 105.5. He was neutropenic. He had acute myelocytic leukemia. And he was just very, very sick. His only complaint was jaw pain. So as soon as I hear jaw pain, fever, sepsis, I'm thinking like endocarditis or something. Mm. But it's weird. His lactics were fine. It was only 1.3. Mm. His his heart rate was in the 180s. We brought him down. He needed a cooling blanket. That's the reason. Main thing. He came down. As soon as we broke the fever, he was 99.1 when he when I got got him. I'm like, oh, they need a cooling blanket, man? He's all fixed. Thought it's gonna be easy shift. And then he started becoming hypotensive. They gave him some boluses upstairs, but he was in the 80s. Page the doc, got a liter of LR, started it. Okay, it's going to fix it. And then I kind of recycled it. I just had a bad feeling about this guy. I kept recycling it, and it was in the 70s. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm giving a bolus 999, and there's no improvement, it's dropping. Called the doctor over, and it was already changing shift because it was 4 o'clock. So both the attendings that the hospitalists came in, we're kind of talking about this guy. He ordered some albumin. He's like, let's pressure bag this. Put him in Trendelenburg. I'm pressure bagging a whole liter of LR. Pressure in the 60s. Mm. Like no improvement. What's going on? He might need a central line of doctors saying, and at this point, we're just thinking he might need, might need to go to ICU. So infusing LR, infusing albumin, he only had one IV to begin with. This was my issue as well. In emergent situations, you have one IV. Luckily, um, the rapid nurse came in, started an IV on the other side, and the way his pressures were going, I'm like, let's just start a neo. I run over to the ICU, grab the neo, started him on the drip now because I'm in the ICU, so I could just take that patient. And what happened is, I just let my assignment go. Told the charge like I have no time to finish charting or anything. He gave report to the other nurses. I put my backpack on, grabbed my lunch, wheeled the guy to the ICU. And that's where we're trying to work him up. Mm. And this was the issue here where I had no access. The the neosinephrine that we started in his left AC infiltrated. Mm, of he started started having pain. I ended up using another another IV. So then he had two accesses again. We're still at this point doing neo. We wanted to start a central line. His platelets were too low. So he needed two units of platelet before we could start a central line playlists were delayed till 9am the latest. This is 5am right now. We have 4 hours only peripherals he needs neo and it was just like a shit show man. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I don't want to write home about but it, this doctor didn't wasn't putting right orders. I'm like, "Hey doc, let's do this, let's do that. We should get an echo. He had jaw pain. What if he has an occlusitis?" He's like, "Yeah, good point, good point. Doing all this thing." But back to the the main thing about the situation and kind of reflecting back to what you said about helping the units at the end of this situation, like I need to, I needed him to get an antidote, right? I gave him antidote for the neosinephrine. This could have been prevented and I could have had a good access and he could have been having blood transfusion. He needed that to be had, didn't have any access is an IO intraosseous kit. We have a hard time starting a peripheral. He's hypotensive. Vasculature is rough. You drill into his bone and we establish a pretty patent line where we can infuse pressors. so at the end of the my shift that was just really busy i got out past eight o'clock i'm like hey to the manager you would benefit from having a intraosseous kit in the icu or even if the rapid response nurse carried an intraosseous kit because that's how they did it in my previous place mm-hmm. in emergency situations you just drill and access so she told me that they did do that before But then COVID happened and they never approved it. So Mm. she's reinstating this. Mm. So just seeing that dynamic where in critical situations, I felt a lot more comfortable in different units handling the situation versus here. We're struggling to get IV access in with an ultrasound while this patient is actively crashing on us. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like an IO is definitely necessary for times like that. You don't use IOs very often, but that one time you do, you're glad someone knows how to put it in or that you even have the kit or the exactly. resources to, to even do it yeah man i mean this overall overall the hospital was definitely rough rough to work at not because of the acuity in a sense but it was more of just the um, expectations that you're supposed to keep up with like yeah. the floating and stuff like that
0: but and lack of resources mm-hmm. like not having a cna to help out with turns yeah. or bed baths you always feel like a nuisance to other nurses trying to ask for help. And, you know, they have things to do, but my, my patient here, here is soaked and I just would love to change her, man. Yeah. There's just no resources for that.
1: Right, yeah. Or one of those days where like everyone's pooping, everyone's peeing, and it's just like you're going from room to room. Either you're helping a nurse change somebody, or you got to change your patient. It's, it just sucks. Like it's it's always nice to at least have like one CNA where they're devoted to just patient care. Because now, like you said, you have the nurse that's, that's also doing all the strict patient care Top of that, all the nursing care, you could say, then the meds and all that kind of stuff. It's can be a, really overwhelming. But on a positive note, the nurses here were amazing. They're really good nurses. They always helped out. Teamwork was there. Yeah, especially when you when you floated, you felt appreciated, uh, especially getting floated to a DOU because they had a lot of lack of staff, to say the least. Um, basically, the majority of, of the travel nurses that were assigned to ICU basically working in, in step-down in, in, in DOU just because there was not enough staff there. So I always felt nice, uh, always felt nice going there even though it, it sucked floating, Like I didn't want to be there, I prefer to be ICU, but it just felt nice to so, get yeah, welcomed by the charge nurse, so it was Nick or whoever else, yeah. else or Zach or whatever, it are cool, charge nurses over there. Um, so that was always nice, like the nurses definitely made it more tolerable, more tolerable definitely, because if it wasn't for it being in San Diego, which is such a nice city, and the nursing staff there, and the physicians and the uh, CNAs that we did have, an occasional chance to communicate with and, and work with, they, they definitely made it a, um a definitely past, an experience yeah. in the mean, yeah. Yeah, the hospital went from like an F to like a probably like a C plus. <laughs> I would just like that, you know?
0: Yeah. And this is our last debrief when it comes to being on contract. So maybe for the future episodes, we'll give you guys some tips, maybe some case studies, or if anybody wants to hop on the show and share their patient experience, how they troubleshoot and just talk about it on the debrief, you're more than welcome to hit us up. Leave a comment. Send us an email at nurses.com. We'd love to chat with you guys. Yeah, that's the one thing I really want to nail
1: down while we're in Thailand is maybe having somebody because these, these briefings are really fun, and it would be really cool if somebody else could hop on and share their experience. If it's somebody from the ER or med sir, or just or just anything, because we want to keep these going. This Is always always going to talk about the shift. You know, sometimes we have a stressful shift, and the best thing we do is just talk to each other about it. Just uh, just a walk through how it went, and it just makes us makes us feel better. And it's always mm-hmm. a knowledgeable time because. The debriefs—it's cool because you're selling, you're sharing your nursing knowledge that you gain through school, and you're actually applying it to real life scenarios.
0: Right, and we're over like two hundred episodes into the regular podcast episodes, so there's only so many episodes we could have talking about mental health for nurses or mm-hmm. burnout and all those topics. So this, and now we have like sports psychology, all these bigger topics. So it's nice to kind of go back to the bedside and talk about yeah. patient experiences with Peter and I. So right. yeah, and every every shift is different, like you guys you guys know that whatever you need
1: to work on med surge tele, er icu every, everything is different you could maybe have the same jobs you know passing meds patient care but it's always always different like you have this this box of things you got to do but the box is always a different shape you could say if that makes sense so it's always always something different i'm saying that you know, i'm trying to get trying to get
0: at yeah technology. i'm trying to picture this mod- metaphor
1: in it right like, you know you have this box that you got to pass meds you got uh there's some things uh, patient in the box care, some tools but that box is like it could be a circle
0: one day it could be a square it's the same thing, but it's different. Yeah. You know? Don't be a square out there, guys. And be, be a circle. circle. <laughs> Jinx. Sure. All right, ladies, gents. Thank you for tuning in with us. We'll see you on the next one. Ciao. Bye-bye.